Be seated. Well, before I begin, I'm excited that uh, Steve is back with us in church tonight, and so it's great to see Steve Barber here. But I'm also glad you're here, Steve, because it's World Mission Sunday, and you are the one person, I think, in the room right now who is supported by a mission organization. Um, and so the uh, Anglican Church in North America has designated today as World Mission Sunday. And in the words of the Archbishop, to highlight the great commission to reach our neighbors, both locally and globally, with the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this Sunday, um, designated this year, falling on this day, February 4th, uh, World Mission Sunday, and it, it actually occurs each year, the Sunday that's designated as this is the, uh, the Sunday before the last Sunday of Epiphany, and this just happens to be that Sunday this year, but it has fallen, I think, at a really great, on a really great date, at a really great, a great time to, to think about uh, what we should be thinking about in relationship to uh, reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, both locally and globally, but also tonight's readings are, are really perfect for that purpose. They, they're not picked for this Sunday. They are simply the readings for the fifth Sunday of Epiphany, but they're so uh, perfect for this evening. But I actually want to begin by backing up two days, liturgically, that is. So Friday was the feast of the presentation of our Lord, also known as the Feast of the Purification, also known as Candlemas, right? So you might know it by one of those names. February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation of our Lord brings Christmas to an end, at least liturgically, and looks forward to the crucifixion, right? It bridges the nativity and the passion. Now, a lot of us are looking in the rearview mirror and think, well, Christmas was a long time ago, right? We've been back at Biola because of the new calendar for four weeks already. For those of you that aren't on Biola's schedule, you're still thinking it's February. We're all moving into tax season more than we're thinking about the nativity. We're, we're, we're moving into perhaps the Super Bowl tonight, and don't say anything. I'm sure there's people here that care about what the score is. Um, but we've moved on in many ways, and, and society has moved us on. And matter of fact, we're thinking more about uh, Valentine's Day, probably. Uh, this morning, Christine and I were on a walk, and we walked by a house not too far from where we live. And we, we, we had walked by the same house, or oh, a different house, right next to it a couple weeks ago, and we thought the owners were outside taking their Christmas lights down, like, like Christmas bulbs, you know, not, not like lights that might be able to be up there all year, but clearly Christmas lights. But we thought they were taking them down that day we walked by, but they were still up. And so we were like, well, that, were they hanging them up? What an interesting thing to be doing back in January, right? But then across the street, Christina goes, oh, well, forget that. That house clearly is a little confused. They had pumpkins, poinsettias, and a Valentine's Day flag, <laughs> right? There could have been a turkey in there, not sure, right? Could have been some other things, but they had it all going on. They were, they were celebrating a lot of things on that front porch, right? And so we've moved on, but yet Friday is the official kind of end to that. And the central figure of the Feast of the Presentation is Simeon, 
right, that we learn about in Luke chapter 2. He's the central figure of the presentation of our Lord because Simeon represents the the expectant nation of Israel, right? Recall Simeon from Luke 2. He waits for years, years for the coming of the Messiah, but then he gets to hold the baby Jesus in his arms. So this man who had waited for years in the temple, in service to the temple, gets to hold Jesus in his arms. He gets to hold the Messiah in his hands, and this causes him to sing about the consolation of Israel and the nations, right? So so he sings, we call it now the Song of Simeon. He offers a song both where he talks about the consolation of Israel, but also that the nations, right? So that that anticipation of epiphany or given the fact that he's the central figure of the presentation, right? There, the conclusion in the midst of epiphany about the nations. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel. That's the song of Simeon from Luke 2. And so the Holy Family comes and presents Jesus in the temple, but it's also known as the purification because Mary goes to offer herself as now purified, right? Because of, the, because of the Old Testament law of purification, she has to go and present herself as now being purified from the uncleanness associated with childbirth, right? But over the years, that language of a light to the nations got picked up in a, in a, in a, in a candle-lit procession was introduced in Rome, and then it became common to process candles So because of the light to the nations. And so therefore, that mass came to be called candle mass, right? It's the mass where we're going to carry the candles. And then someone had a great idea. They said, you know, we use candles all year. We should bless them all on that Sunday, right? So liturgically speaking, there's just a lot going on. But I think a way I'd like for us to think about it tonight is two days ago, kind of the season of Christmas ends, the presentation of Jesus, Simeon points us to the fact that the Messiah is a light to the nations and to the people of Israel, But yet, providentially, perhaps, this year, today, is the festival of Cornelius the Centurion. Maybe you didn't know he had a day on the calendar. He does. It's February 4th. So, don't know if you remember much about Cornelius, but Acts 10 is all about him. Acts 10, we mostly know because of the sheet coming down with the unclean animals on it, right? It's Peter's vision of the unclean animals. But we're told at the beginning of Acts chapter 10, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. That's how the chapter begins. We're introduced to Cornelius, and then God tells Cornelius to go fetch this man named Peter. And he does, but before he gets there, Peter has this vision right, of these unclean animals coming down out of heaven on a, on a sheet, on a cloth, if you will, and it's, it's interpreted to that vision that it's okay to eat anything, right, that the law for sure has been done away under the person of Jesus Christ, that, that if you feel compelled to be circumcised, do it, but it's not obligatory. If you feel compelled to observe particular dietary restrictions, do it, but it's not obligatory. And then that chapter ends, chapter 10 ends, with an account of the Holy Spirit falling on a group of Gentile believers. 
right? It's the Bible's chapter dedicated to the fact that the gospel is now making headway among the Gentiles. And so today, the, the collect for the, for the festival of Cornelius the Centurion says, Oh God, by your spirit, you called Cornelius the Centurion to be the first Christian among the Gentiles. Now, I don't know if he actually was the first, Gentile, first Christian among the Gentiles, but the point is, is the scriptures present him that way. The scriptures are meant to show that in this Cornelius, the, the, the Gentile who's so faithful to God and the Holy Spirit falling on these Gentiles, wedged between those two bookends of chapter 10 of Acts is the story of Peter and the sheet coming down. So here on World Mission Sunday, we're already, if you will, over the past few days, given opportunity to think about the gospel and that the gospel is meant for all people. And of course, that's been our theme of Epiphany. That is the point of Epiphany, right? The manifestation of Jesus Christ to all people. The Magi come on Epiphany as a representation that, in a sense, the gospel has reached Beyond the Jewish people, it's reached to the Gentiles. They come seeking the Christ child. So we've been living in the midst of that, but as we set apart this Sunday at the request of our archbishop and our, and our province, we, we do so mindful of the fact that we know people, both collectively as a parish, but also individually, who have given of themselves in a particular way to further the gospel. Right? Stephen Betsy years ago said yes to God moved uh, with, with two kids at first, right? You moved with Laurel and Jessica to the Slavey people. And correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, 14 hours north of Edmonton? Uh, Only 12, okay. 12 to 14, depending on who's driving. But they moved way up among a group of people, the Slavey people. Josh was born there among the Slavey people. And and, and they work to translate the gospel for these people, to understand their culture, to, to bring them the good news in their language. And they ministered among those people. I mean, making, what was it, quarterly trips down to Edmonton to get basic supplies and then rushing back in their 12-hour trip back up north to continue the work that God has given them to do. And, and then even when they moved here to continue education, Steve has continued to work with Wycliffe Bible translators to continue training people to bring the gospel and people's language to them. So thank you, Steve. Thank you, Betsy, for saying yes to that call. Scott Hatfield's not here tonight, but his parents have given their life and, and, and portions of their life over to helping work with people in the slums of Kenya to bring the gospel into a, a place that ostensibly... You might not think it needs to be there. Kenya has a large number of Christians, but they are there bringing hope and healing and, and hopefully happiness to people who live in these squalid conditions. We think of Steve, right, who we sent back to the Czech Republic. Father Steve, we, we sent him back. We, we blessed him. We sent him. He's, he's slaving over translating the Book of Common Prayer so that he can help bring the faith by way of Anglicanism to the people of the Czech Republic. We think of Father David and Mary Beth, who we pray for each week, working in Belize, right? I mean, Father David, I'm exhausted reading his updates, much, much less imagining that pace of life that they maintain down there. It's beautiful what they're doing. It's beautiful how God is using them. And we also pray for Jana and Nate working in the 1040 window. Jana was Jessica's college roommate for a year or two or something like that. But then I met her 
when I got hired and she worked in the Tory office. They just sent out an update the other day. They Three children now working faithfully, asking us to pray for their friendships and that they can have conversations with people. They're working in a part of the world that, though I know where it's at, I'm not going to say it since we record and post these things, right? So they are, they are literally in a place that desperately needs the gospel, and they've given themselves up to it. But, but Jana herself had been raised in the, in the Congo, and her own stories... Her own stories of getting out of the Congo to come back to Biola as a student are amazing. Amazing what her and her family did in order to try to bring the gospel to people there. And Mary Beth has put on, she's not feeling well tonight herself, but Mary Beth's not here, but she's, she's put on our radar the work of Father Jerry and his wife Stacy and, and the, the love for the least that they're doing. And currently most of that work is in the Middle East and in places and in situations that most of us would not sign up for, much less want to find ourselves in. And then you, you may support people personally, right? You may know people that you support in your own life who are on the mission field, both domestically and, and internationally, right? Um, we probably have even people in this congregation who have gone on short-term missions trips, right? And at the, so, so we think about all that this evening. We think about the fact that the gospel is for all people. We think about the fact that the Gentiles responded to the gospel and that the gospel continues to, to grow and to make its way around the world. And even though there's so much in the world that seems so dire and so terrible, we know that the faith is growing like crazy in places like China and in the Middle East. Right? Where people suffer, the faith takes hold in particular and grows. And there's conflicted reports about what's happening to the faith and the church here in North America, so I don't, I don't pretend to understand it fully. In some ways, people say it's not growing, and in other ways, they say, no, in fact, it is growing. But it doesn't matter. The point is, is we are still called to not only care about the gospel, but to share the gospel. And ideally, we do that, not just with our words, but even with our actions. Right? So as we think about 1 Corinthians, as we come to, to that passage and look at it, we, we encounter the word um, preach or preaching three times, the word gospel three times. This is a text where Paul is saying, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And to put it into our language, of course, woe to us if we do not, if we do not preach the gospel. But the word that I really love in this reading is the word stewardship, that Paul thought of the fact that God had entrusted him with the gospel. Right? Sober reminder, God actually doesn't need us. <laughs> right? In one sense, God doesn't need us. He, he could find many ways to make the gospel take root in the world. But yet, in another way of thinking about it, he absolutely needs us. For how will they hear without someone preaching and telling them about it? So Paul says, God has given me, I've become a steward of the gospel. I am responsible for this thing that's called the gospel. And, and maybe Paul in particular in ways, but we too have been entrusted as stewards with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, Paul says, the best way for me to steward this, and I think he would say to us, the best way for you to steward this is to become all things to all people. You know, we know through his parables that Jesus didn't take too kindly to the thought of being given something, burying it in the ground, digging it up when the master came back and saying, here, I got your thing. It's a little dirtier. It's been in the ground. 
right? No, instead, Jesus always talked about increase, right? That what we have been given to steward, there's an expectation that it grows. Now, at the same time, we are not in control of people's response to the gospel. I cannot force people to become Christians. That ultimately is the work of God in their heart. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, just like is evidence for us in Acts chapter 10, when the Gentiles are filled with the Holy Spirit and become people of faith, right? But it is my job to steward that gospel. It is my job not to hide it under the proverbial bushel, but to let that light shine so that people see it. So that's what we've been called to do. I was struck by Reformation commentaries this week that I read about uh, regarding this passage in 1 Corinthians. It was interesting to me because they kind of singled Paul out as like an example of what a bishop should be doing. And basically said, in particular, bishops ought to be sharing the gospel. And of course, I thought, what a strange thing for these Reformation people to be saying. Like, why would they say that? I'm so confused. Right? Because it's not Bishop Keith's job only to share the gospel. Nor is it my job or Father Steve's job only to share the gospel. Just because Steve is sponsored by folks at Wycliffe Bible Translators doesn't mean it's just his job. It's our job. It is our stewardship. We've been given the gospel. We have to do something with it. And again, if we just look and reflect with Paul in these passages, Paul said, let me tell you what I'm going to do with it. I will become all things to all people. I will preach a Jewish gospel if I have to, a Gentile one if I have to. I will not eat meat if it works for me. I will eat meat if it works for me. I will do what is necessary to win people to Jesus Christ. Now, of course, Paul would say that and he would do that in a way that would not be... um, duplicitous or anything he wouldn't he remember if you know the book of galatians like he calls peter out for this very thing right peter like when the jews come around peter's like yes dietary laws but the moment the jews move away and there's barbecue on the table he's digging in and paul says no absolutely not so paul here is not saying like look like say what people need to hear or posture in a way to win them to Christ, even if it's not authentic. No, when he says, I do all things for all people, he's doing that in such a way as to protect the integrity of the gospel and to make sure that what people see and hear is the gospel. So it is our job not to steward it by burying it, not to steward it by hide it, but to share it to kind of run it up the flagpole, if you will, to let people know that we stand for the gospel. And I think we do that collectively as a parish. I think it's just in our liturgy. But perhaps that's not enough that we as individuals also every day have to decide, have to bear in mind that we steward this gospel And we have to live in a way that shows it. We have to take opportunity when given to us to to tell people about it. And that doesn't mean just to the unsaved. We need to constantly be preaching to one another, encouraging one another in our faith. We kind of need that ongoing evangelization, right? This is not just about getting someone to say a prayer, checking off a box and feeling good about ourselves. Right? This is about the, the long road of obedience. This is about being converted and constantly being converted to Jesus, to being uh, transformed by the gospel and then conformed to the image of his son over the duration of our life. Jesus walked around 
healing people, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons, tonight's gospel says. Man, you want to get someone's attention? Right? Cast out some demons. That's got to do it. Right? I mean, that's got to be pretty amazing. I don't get to do that in one sense. I'm, I'm not Jesus. I can't, I can't just on demand heal someone. You know what? This would be cool. Take up your mat and walk. Did you see that? Right? I can't do that. I can't walk around creating demonstrations of the greatness of God so that people will, Lord willing, see those and cast themselves at Jesus's feet. No, but I can make sure that my life is seasoned with salt, that what I do and say, at least what I try to do and say, is consistent with the gospel, representative of what Jesus would want us to say and do. And when I don't, to repent of it before God, to ask his forgiveness. That if I do something to someone else that compromises the gospel and God makes that evident to me, to ask for forgiveness. So on this World Mission Sunday, we don't think about the world as if it's out there. And thankfully, think of people like David and Mary Beth and Father Steve and Father Jerry and, and others who have given themselves in a particular way. Should we think of them? Yes. Must we pray for them? Absolutely. If we can support them, we should. But we also need to take a long, hard look at ourselves, both as a parish and as individuals. Are you stewarding the gospel well? Are we stewarding the gospel of Jesus Christ that's been given to us? Do I care more about my retirement? than I do about people who are lost? Do I think more about my time than I do about the gospel? Do I spend more time doing things that are about me than I do things that are for others? What can you do, what can we do to show that we are stewards of the gospel? What can we do, what can you do to show that the gospel is for everyone? What can you do and what can we do to proclaim this gospel in a way that people will see it and be forced to meet Jesus Christ and make a decision whether they will follow him or not. I don't have all those answers, and I'm certainly not going to program it into a church. That has to come by the Holy Spirit through his people. But on this World Mission Sunday, again, let us not just think about those who are out there, but let us think of ourselves. Let us not just pray for those who are out there, but let us pray for ourselves. And let us mostly be reminded that the gospel is for all people and that we've been given a treasure and it is our job to steward it well. May we ask God to help us do that, not in our own strength, but through his empowerment. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.